Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism. I'm your host today, Amy Hills, and my normal job is as the Director of Strategy, Government and Industry with Tourism Tasmania. Talking Tourism is the podcast series especially for tourism operators and professionals. Talking Tourism is an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak industry body for our industry in our state. And today's episode is supported by the Tasmanian Government. It's all part of a series of podcasts being released every fortnight throughout COVID-19 to keep Tasmanian tourism operators up to date with the latest news and information as it relates to our industry and the support and assistance being made available by the state and federal governments, along with industry authorities. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Rob Cameron from Collins SBA. He's been involved with the tourism and hospitality industry throughout the COVID-19 crisis, helping operators better understand the assistance available to them, particularly via JobKeeper. Given the Australian government's announcement and changes to JobKeeper, we thought it would be really helpful to speak with Rob again and talk about exactly what these changes are to JobKeeper in particular and what they mean for businesses. Thanks for joining us today, Rob. No problem, Amy. Thanks for having me. Look, Rob, before we jump into the nitty-gritty, we, we may have some new listeners who we've picked up a- along the way who may be listening for the first time. Are you able to explain the service that uh, you have provided throughout COVID-19 to our industry and, and your ongoing role in, in that for tourism and hospitality? Yeah, we've been providing consultation services to any members who are looking to find out a bit more about whether it be government support or some assistance around what we describe as continuity planning for their business. So uh, some advice and guidance on some good, uh, I guess, tools and tactics they can access to try and position their business as best they can, both to survive the immediate shutdown, but also to think about how to position their business to bounce back and hopefully thrive as uh, as COVID becomes less of an issue. Mm. And we were just speaking prior to, to starting that you've had a little less of a frenetic pace, um, which I'm sure has been welcome. But just last week, the Australian government did announce some new details of an extension to JobKeeper. And I'd like to sort of start with that today. Sure. Let's start with the basics of that, Rob. What did they announce? Well, I guess the the first thing they announced, which a lot of operators were very relieved to hear, is that there will be an extension to the JobKeeper scheme, albeit it'll it'll be a reduced extension that'll be scaling down. Um, so it'll go for an additional six months, and um, each quarter the payments are going to be gradually uh, reduced. So for those already on JobKeeper and who applied in the early stages of COVID-19, what does it mean for their arrangements going forward? So if you're already on JobKeeper, there won't be any immediate changes until the end of September. Mm-hmm. Come the end of September, you're going to have to make an assessment as to whether you're, first of all, eligible 
to continue on with their JobKeeper payments? And secondly, I guess how, as a business owner, how that funding is going to work in terms of the viability of your business and whether there's further restructuring of your of your cost base that you're going to have to do to ensure you're continually viable. So let's delve into that eligibility a little bit more because businesses do need to continue to demonstrate that actual GST turnover rather than projected has fallen by 30%. Can you take us through that element? Because that, that continues to be, I suspect, one of those perhaps confusing or, or difficult ones to work through for businesses. Yeah, look, I mean, it's fairly straightforward, but, but it is a change to the current scheme. Yep. So under the current scheme, you just had to reasonably project that your turnover was going to fall by 30% or more. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen as of the 28th of September to continue to be eligible for JobKeeper, you have to demonstrate that your actual GST turnover, so not not projected, but what's actually happened, has fallen by 30% or more in both the June quarter 2020 and the September quarter 2020. So those those two quarters both have to have fallen by 30% or more. And I guess just one point I'll raise there in relation to the tourism industry is that a number of tourism businesses I've been speaking to have actually had a pretty good run in July. Mm. So we've seen seen a lot of movement around School the holidays, state. School holidays, yep. School holidays. Um, a couple of business owners I've been speaking to have actually had the best July they've ever had, um, which has obviously been, been a surprise. Yeah. So all of a sudden that starts to bring into question, are they actually going to be 30% down when they get to the end of September? So really important to play close attention to your turnover numbers at this point of time if you're on JobKeeper um, to see what that might mean uh, come the end of September and your eligibility going forward. Is there any sort of leeway for discretion in that? So if there has been obviously a a really um, good school holiday period, but then that sort of, I guess, uh, is not necessarily representative of the the business over the the remaining months, will will any discretion come into that or? I guess my initial response there is is no, not really. Mm -hmm. There's not, I mean, there, there is an alternative turnover test that can be applied in specific circumstances, but in the situation where your quarterly turnover is not down by 30% or more compared to the same period last year, it's going to be very difficult to argue that you you do fit the alternative eligibility tests. So I think it's it's reasonably black and white. It doesn't look like there's much wriggle room there at all. Mm-hmm. So then if if you're a business in, in that circumstance, what is your advice? Is that then to, to look more deeply into the business around how they're going to, to run it going forward if that JobKeeper were to, to change? That's exactly right. Mm. Um, <clears throat> now, it, it is early days. So yep. there's still August and September to run. Yes. And for many businesses, you know, I guess being 30% down or more probably isn't going to be much of a question mark. I, I guess we've seen this bit of a sugar hit come through in July for many businesses, given the increased local activity around the state. So you you are going to have to watch your numbers carefully. And if you're genuinely going to be in a space where you're not going to be eligible, 
people for JobKeeper going forward, you're going to have to make some key decisions around what that means for your business and how financially uh, sustainable you are and whether you need to make um, make further changes to, to be sustainable. What was some of the, and, and I suspect this, the next question that I was going to ask you is, is less relevant now because I was going to sort of talk to you about some of the key themes and, and challenges businesses had had in, in sort of demonstrating that 30% decline when it, it was previously projected, of course, as opposed to where we'll be moving from. But are there any sort of key themes or learnings or tips that you've that you've had for, through working with the industry around that particular um, process and, and how businesses are going about doing that, com- comparisons, the comparative period, et cetera? Look, uh, typically it's a case, um, particularly where we're talking quarterly comparisons, um, we're looking at, you know, for example, the period July, August, September 2020 is compared against the same three months in 2019. So right. that's, that's that's the base basic rule. And it's relatively straightforward because you could just look at your bass lodgements that you did last year and compare like for like bass lodgements. So anyone who's GST registered and reporting bass, which is the majority, um, can just use those figures. So again, when we're talking about actual comparisons, it's really quite black and white. And I see um, Collins SBA has done a, um, when the announcement came out, you did a, a quick, I guess, top line summary of some of the key points of, of the announcement. I see in, in that document you had some notes around deadlines for lodging the bass and due to those timeframes, the need for employers to sort of self-assess eligibility for JobKeeper in advance because of meeting wage conditions. Can you sort of Take us through that and explain that in a little bit more depth. Yeah, sure. So really all I was pointing out there is that as you get to the end of September, you're going to have to make a decision, do we continue to pay employees as per the JobKeeper arrangements or are we moving off JobKeeper and therefore uh, I guess the way we pay some of our employees may have to change. Now, typically... Most businesses are going to have to make that decision before they lodge their bass. Um, So it's no good sort of waiting until Mm. you get all your bass documentation together and then putting in the bass and before you know it, you know, two, three, four weeks have gone by, you've been paying wages. Um, So you're going to have to, you're going to have to be well organised in your financial uh, assessment of your turnover uh, and be ready to make a quick decision as to whether you think you're ready or not. So uh, that was a a really good pickup, Amy, because it Mm. it is an important point and Mm. really worth um, operators uh, being clear on that. Yeah, it was certainly something that jumped out at me when I was reading your notes and perhaps an important point for people listening today. What's the top piece of advice? Is it just being really fastidious around monitoring that on a what a daily weekly basis is is that the top sort of business advice for um, for operators as they near near that time frame? Look, I think so. You know, most of the businesses I've been working with, um, certainly uh, closely, uh, are pretty good, particularly when it comes to maintaining revenue records. So for most businesses, they're going to know, you know, on a, a, at least a weekly basis how they're tracking on their revenue. But it's just a case of, I guess, um, you know, spending a couple of hours when we get to the, the end of September, um, running a, a quick report out of your financial 
financial software and just making that comparison on GST turnover to the same period um, last year. Mm. So, look, I'm quite confident most mm. of the business operators I deal with um, will, will be able to do that without too many problems. But obviously, if you're a little bit worried about it, have a talk to your book or your accountant and uh, and just get that um, get that help. I, I am conscious there are going to be some bookkeepers and accountants out there that uh, may be flooded with requests for help on this. But again, if you think as a business operator, you do need some help with it, probably best to get in early mm. and, uh, and book some time in with your accountant or bookkeeper um, so you can make that assessment quickly and work out are you going to continue to pay under uh, the JobKeeper arrangements, or are you going to change tack? And in your notes, there was some some commentary around the the nomination of payment rates and hours of work for employees. W- what's happening in relation to that as part of the broader process? Okay, so there's there's a couple of key changes that are going to kick in as at the end of September. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that's going to happen is that the rate of JobKeeper subsidy is going to reduce. So currently it's $1,500 a, a fortnight is the, um, the rate of support that we're getting. As of the 28th of September, that is going to reduce to $1,200 a fortnight. And as of the 4th of January, that's going down to $1,000 a fortnight. So that is stepping down. Mm -hmm. There's another key change, which is the support is going to be different for workers who are averaging above 20 hours a week. And important to note that that's as of February 2020. And those who are averaging less than 20 hours a week in February 2020. So I I guess the intent here is to pick up, um, you know, perhaps those um, casual uh, workers that were only doing, you know, maybe maybe one shift a week or something like that. So the level of support for those sort of workers is going to be reducing substantially as of the 28th of September. So again, they're they're currently getting the full $1,500 a fortnight. As of the 28th of September, if one of your employees was working less than 20 hours in February, their rate of pay is going to drop to 750 a fortnight. I see, yep. It's actually the the rate of support that the business is getting. Obviously, you can pay them more if you you want to, um, but you're only going to get the support of $750 a fortnight. And And the operator inputs that, do they? Does the operator is required to input that updated figures from from that time? Yeah, the the operator um, has the responsibility to manage the payroll and will therefore, um, you know, if they're just paying them on the JobKeeper rates, then they're going to have to reduce the rate to $750 a fortnight. Um, And that's that's all the subsidy they're going to receive from the government. Um, And as of the 4th of January, for those workers under 20 hours, it's dropping to $650 a fortnight. So a couple of, you know, uh, some some really key changes there in the way the scheme is going to run. Mm. What about new recipients? If there are new people that hadn't previously been on JobKeeper, um, 
you would suppose there might be, um, it would have picked up the majority, but if there are any businesses out there that are wanting to apply now, what is their eligibility? Are they able to do it? So, look, I guess there's there's two eligibility things to consider here. The first is the eligibility of the business, and the eligibility of the business will depend on those turnover tests. That That's probably the first thing to consider. So, if a business hasn't been receiving JobKeeper um, but can pass the eligibility test, mm. then, then they can consider it. The second thing to consider is the eligibility of the employees. The employees had to be employed uh, prior to the 1st of March 2020, and there's a range of sort of eligibility requirements that, that they need to consider. Um, so if I guess if, if people are employing new employees or um, are looking to add additional employees on, it's probably unlikely that you can bring them on to the JobKeeper scheme. Uh, but again, I'll probably refer you back to the ATO website to have a full look at the eligibility requirements for yeah. employees. And that is important. I think that everyone um, obviously goes through and reads that for themselves. Uh, I did a bit of Googling and, and the ATO website is quite easy to, to find this information. And there's also a fact sheet um, at uh, treasury.gov.au forward slash coronavirus forward slash JobKeeper, where you can find out more information as well. Something that's yeah. really, I think, um, particularly pertinent to, to listeners in the tourism and hospitality industry is, is those who are self-employed employed. Um, I assume um, they're in a, a similar situation to what we've discussed. For self-employed operators, the predominant structure they'll be working through is as a, as a sole trader. Mm. Um, so nothing really changes regarding the eligibility of sole traders as the scheme goes forward. So if you're a sole trader who has been receiving JobKeeper in the past, you will still be eligible. However, the Rates of support are reducing in line uh, with all the other employees. Mm -hmm. uh, so as of the 28th of September, that's down to 1200 a fortnight. And as of the 4th of January, down to $1,000 a fortnight. So, Rob, what about eligibility in the longer term um, in terms of, I think you were talking, uh, we've been speaking about January. What what are employ employers going to have to demonstrate over three consecutive quarters. Yeah, that's a really good point, Amy. So to be eligible from the 4th of January uh, next year, you're going to need to be able to demonstrate that your actual turnover has dropped by 30% or more in all three of the previous quarters. So that's the June quarter, the September quarter, and the December quarter relative to the year before. So if your turnover has dropped in the June quarter by 40%, the September quarter by 80%, but in the De December quarter you've only dropped by 29%, you're not going to be eligible for the final quarter of JobKeeper support. So um, really worth, uh, again, just keeping an eye on those revenue figures going forward from here um, because you will need to demonstrate three quarters below 30%. Mm -hmm. So in 
this environment, obviously over the past few months we've we've been dealing with a particular type of environment and that was that was crisis support survival. In this environment for business and operators that is looking forward over the next six to 12 months and in terms of business continuity and what we know about what JobKeeper now um, is going to be, in terms of summary, what is your key piece of advice for those who are going to be managing through this next 12 months? Look, I think what I'm saying is that JobKeeper has been a fantastic shock absorber as uh, I guess coronavirus has kicked in, but it's not a long-term strategy. The reality is that the market has been significantly impacted and there is no question that overall demand across the industry is going to be down for some time yet. Mm. So uh, all all tourism exposed businesses now need to be looking at their longer term projections. What is their business model? What is their cost structure? And how do they set themselves up to be sustainable over the medium to long run, assuming there's no more government support coming? There's there's some hard work to be done. And unfortunately, that is going to mean that some businesses are going to have to make the decision. They're probably better off closing than not. Um, having said that, there's lots of positive stories out there as well. I, I am seeing a number of tourism businesses doing a fantastic job of, I guess, changing the markets that they're, that they're focusing on. Um, you know, as we've discussed, there's businesses out there that have, that have had, you know, some of the best months they've ever had, um, thanks to the local demand. I guess it's now about asking those, those questions around how sustainable is this level of demand from the from the local market. Um, and unfortunately, there's still a lot of unknowns out there. So it's also up to each individual operator con- to consider their own risk appetite mm. and um, and and how bold they want to be at this time. I think we'll look back at this time. And again, unfortunately, there are going to be some businesses that will make the decision to close. Um, but there will also be the makings of some great businesses at this time as well. But um, certainly, it's not going to be relying on government support that's going to build a, a great business at this time. Mm. And I'm, I'm really interested. I think they were all um, really uh, good and and pertinent points, Rob. Having worked with our industry now over this period, what what are some of the um, insights and learnings you've you've learned about those who are in in the industry? What what are they looking for? What are, what are their sort of hopes and aspirations? Have you learned a bit about the industry through the job that you've been doing? <laughs> oh, look. I do feel uh, privileged in some ways to have been able to to talk um, at length with so many mm-hmm. uh, tourism operators who are really putting their heart and soul into their businesses. I mean, at the end of the day, for, for many, this is their family livelihood. And it's just been devastating to see the imp- impact of coronavirus across the industry for many. Obviously, those that have come into it uh, with a degree of resources and assets behind them, particularly a bit of a, a cash buffer, uh, are feeling a little bit more stable at this time. Um, but there's still some hard decisions ahead in terms Terms of how they position themselves, I'm seeing some some really brave operators that are looking to change and invest. And again, I think um, you know it's probably hard to tell now, but some of those businesses are going to be 
um, fantastic businesses going forward. Um, and, you know, others are finding it incredibly tough, incredibly scary. Again, a lot of them are being really brave around the financial decisions they're making at the moment. And for some, you know, they've, they've had to look at the situation in the cold, hard light of day and unfortunately make the decision that this just isn't for them at this time. And, uh, and we are starting to see some close up. Um, which is a real shame given given everything the industry has built to this point. Um, but I've, I've no doubt in the medium to long term, the industry is going to bounce back probably better than ever. Uh, look, thank you. I was, I was just interested in yeah understanding those insights because you certainly have been sort of front and centre in what has been an incredibly challenging time. So I guess what I'm hearing from you in a, in a nutshell is the time, if you haven't already, is now to be planning for that September change and determining how you're going to run your business or structure your business accordingly. And also looking beyond that into, as you say, the the eligibility that's going to be asked of you over the next, you know, consecutive quarters um, and planning for that. That's exactly right. And again, the government support is a a shock absorber. It's not a long-term strategy. Um, So if you think of it that way and manage your business to survive, whether it's there or not, um, you're going to be in the best position to to make a go of it going forward. And if people need assistance with business continuity, um, planning and um, advice, uh, are there resources available for people that may be haven't already, um, it'd be hard to believe perhaps people haven't already uh, sourced them, but if they haven't, where can they go for those? Yeah, look, I, I have noticed there are a lot of a lot of advisors out there, accounting firms and so forth that are providing advice around this. So if you've got an existing relationship, certainly lean on your accountant, see what support's available. Um, and you're more than welcome to contact uh, myself or one of the other advisors at Collins SBA. And we've got a range of materials we're happy to um, to provide as support as well. And again, if you're looking for um, information on the extension and changed arrangements for JobKeeper going forward, I encourage you to uh, Google the ATO. It's easy to find. Or there is that fact sheet on the Treasury website, which again is uh, treasury.gov.au forward slash coronavirus forward slash JobKeeper. Uh, Rob, thank you very much. You're a familiar voice on the podcast series, we know, but I think um, operators always incredibly value uh, your insights and expertise. So thanks for being with us and we'll no doubt talk again soon. Thanks, Amy. Great to chat. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.